Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome. Hello. So good. Just love that um, as a church we're about, it's not, we don't just gather around the sermon. It's really important and we, our life is launched out of the Word of God and yeah, it's authoritative and it's, it's life and we don't know what he's saying unless we know what he's said. So it's paramount, it's foundational, it's critical, it's crucial, it's super important. But we're not gathering around a sermon. We're gathering around his presence. We're gathering around a person. We're gathering around him and what he wants to do. And he's going to do stuff in all the different elements, the welcoming, the connection, the, the double shot, three-quarter milk, half-sugar lattes. He's going to do it all. He's going to move. He's going to heal people before church starts. He's going to heal people after. He's going to work in relationships. He's going to speak through his word because he can't not. He's going to touch and speak and minister and encourage through worship and the lyrics. And he rides on the, the, the lines and the melodies and the lyrics. And, and he, he comes out of their history with him. And so I just want to encourage you. Let's just continually learn that we're not... And, and, and when I'm saying we're not, I'm not overemphasizing and devaluing the message. Because I, I had 16 pages ready for you guys, three-hour message. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, this is annoying. It's my day off tomorrow. And all right, I'm going to go in and I'll re-tweak it. And then got another eight, which is totally different to the 16. <laughs> so I'll be doing a second session after. But so I value it and I love it and, and everything my life, the times I look at all the time is just scriptures speaking to me all the time, the word, the message. It's true, it's true, it's true, but we're not gathering around a message. Because in, I think it's John 5.39, Jesus said, hey, you, you think that it's in the scriptures that you have eternal life. And Jesus says really clearly, they point to me. Yeah. So I shared last week about revelation. I have to presume that everybody heard it. Actually, if you didn't stand up, no, no, um, and get out, um, no, no, don't, don't. Um, <laughs> so last week, it was probably the best message you've ever heard in your life. Um, talking about Revelation and, and Matthew sixteen and Jesus at Caesarea Philippi, crazy demonic sort of time. But when Jesus shows up, it's no longer that because he's light and love and hope and peace and joy and open heaven everywhere he goes. Just so good. There's nothing he can't do anywhere. And he begins to teach and he said, hey, who, who, do, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And they're just mouthing off. John, some say John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah, some say Elisha the prophet reincarnated. And he goes, who do you say that I am? Gets, makes it personal. You know, when, there's an important question when Jesus asks the question. When the questions are in red, in your Bible. They, it matters when Jesus asks a question. He asked a general question and then he brought it personal and serious and intimate and at them. Yeah, but who do you say? I'm interested in who do you say that I am? So he asked him the question for us in this season, who do you say that he is? And then Peter, only one of them, he asked all of them, but one of them pipes up and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus celebrates the answer and makes a big deal of the answer. And it morphs into verse 17, 18, 19 and 20 of Matthew chapter 16. And he says, blessed are you, Peter, Simon, 
for flesh and blood has not revealed, revealed, the word revelation revealed, has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven by the presence of God before it was legal and normal to hear the voice of God every day, all day. You know what I mean by that. He made a big deal of it. He asked the question, who do you say that I am? And I proposed the thought that revelation is not the goal of the Christian life. We value it, we, we, we seek it, we pursue it, we, 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 we ask for it, we declare it, we share it. Got a revelation. Can I share you my revelation? Got a heavy revy, 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 revy. And we just, we, I'm concerned though that we make an idol out of revelation and revelation is not the goal. But revelation is meant to lead us into an encounter with the one who revealed that which he was revealing. We rattled off 133 names of Jesus last week, and I'd propose again that every one of those names is true and has its own manifestation of what that means for him, but also for you. And knowing the name is great, but experiencing the name is better. And he's wooing us, he's calling us, he's asking us, he's inviting us in to not just know him and his names and attributes and character by name alone, but to go from a revelation, which means an unveiling, a revealing, a disclosing and a making known that which was previously unknown into an encounter and an experience with the guy who made it all up. And he said that, blessed are you, I'm going to build my church on this revelation that I am the Son of God. He made a big deal with it because we can come up with wrong conclusions and Peter came up with the right one and he said, that conclusion of me, Jesus, the anointed one, the Son of the living God, is the one that I'm going to build my church on. Revelation is meant to lead us into an encounter. Revelation is highlighting something. Revelation is illuminating something. Revelation, how's this, is God's response to hunger. Revelation is God's response to hunger. Revelation is part of God's grace. What is the point of receiving a revelation? It's for an encounter and an experience with God side by side to being people of his word who know what he's said, but then going on a journey to constantly know what he's saying. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? I want to do something a little bit different today. Is that cool? Revelation, the unveiling. I love this. The Passion Translation at the book of Revelation. Revelation, we don't like reading that book because freaks us out a bit and we don't really know what to do with it. That's okay. (laughs) But at the start of it, it says, most translations, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I love what the Passion Translation says. It says the unveiling of Jesus Christ. That's what the Greek word means, an unveiling, a disclosing, a revealing, making known that which was previously unknown. And it's like this presentation of who he is. And the first three or four chapters is really... I'm clear and concise, and then it doesn't get so clear and concise after that. And all the best to you if you have a perfect, great understanding and explanation of it. 
we could meet and it'd be awesome. I'm quite, I hold um, chapters 4 to 22, I believe it is, quite loosely. There's some important verses in 21-22 that we hold a bit more tightly. But I love this, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about the mark of the beast, guys. No, I don't. You should have laughed straight away if you've been here long enough. Because all of you apparently have it. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to... Yeah, it was a joke. Baha. Um, what I want to talk about, I want to talk about the revelation of Jesus, the unveiling of Jesus. I want to I do something a little bit different. And I want to I look at Revelation 1, 2 and 3, a powerful and important for us. It's, it's, it's God highlighting. I'm not talking about end times now, um, but he's, he's, he, there's certain things that are revealing um, for, for the church that are important that Jesus um, wants to share and highlight and equip and empower and release the church into who it's meant to be, who we're meant to be, to be all that he's made us to be. Revelation 1, 2, and 3, and even 4 are amazing, clear and concise beautiful words and language and encouragement. But I wanna, what I want to do, I want to I go Revelation 3, start there. Then I want to go into Revelation 2. And then I want to go into Revelation 1. Let's just, let's just put that in. We've got um, the Revelation audio, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's so good. I love it. I love it. That's great. See, someone's looking at their notes and pressing play. So good. Love ya. So this is going to be up on the screen. We're going to highlight about three or four things for the message. The conclusion of the message will lead us into communion. We'll highlight four things today. We're going to look at Revelation 3, 2, and 1 in that order. Launching out of Revelation is not meant to end at Revelation, but lead us into an encounter. Jesus is, is reminding us who he is. He's highlighting great need everywhere we go. I don't know about you, but the need that I see, and it's not political and it's not on the news. That's not the need I'm seeing because I don't watch it. I'm informed, but that's not the need I'm talking about. The need I'm talking about is not on the news. It's the real lives that I encounter every day, every week. They're my friends and family and colleagues and, and associates and friends of friends and friends through sporting clubs. That, like there's, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, no spice, hundreds of people that I'm in life with. Some, I'd, I'd say over 500. That there's just some sort of communication and it's weird but the great need that I see is not on the news. It's not political and it's not virus related. And that's all real. But the need that I'm seeing is the cancer and the, the people that have lost work due to stuff. The, the people that are struggling to feed their families, the, the people that are contending, the people that are in remission and, and now aren't, the relational challenges, the, 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 the potential divorces, the, the struggles, the addictions. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm confronted with it every day. But my hope in Jesus as being the solution and the answer through me 
Whatever we're exposed to, we have the privilege of partnering with him and him working through us. It's not, hey, God, do something. Shundarabha. No, no, it's like, hey, God, like, 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 let it rain. That can just be a, let it, let it, that can just turn weird. It's not a prayer. It's a declaration. Because we carry an open heaven. Let it, let it rain. Like, if you want, let it rain. Oh, let it rain because that's too hard and that's, no, no, let it rain. Like, what I believe, who I am, what you've called me to, the promises, the prophecies, the list of everything that's for me, let it rain. I've been given the right over this, let it rain. This diagnosis, I know I'm called to deal with it because you've dealt with it and you're in me, let it rain. In Jesus' name. This isn't lining up with who you are, let it rain. The revelation of Jesus. Oh, we're going to struggle with this, aren't we? Let it rain. That was funny. I thought it was funnier than what you gave me then, but anyway. <laughs> Revelation 3.20, here we go. It's going to be up on the screen. You know this scripture. You know this. Might not be on a mug because it's Revelation, but you know it. Revelation 3, that was, that was probably funnier than the last one. It's better. Come on. Revelation 3.20-22, 20 passion. Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, love it, I will come in to you and feast with you and you will feast with me. Verse 21, and to the one who conquers, I will give the privilege of sitting with me on my throne just as I've conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Verse 22, the one whose heart is open, whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is now saying to the churches. Jesus is speaking. I love this. Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to him, if your heart is open to hearing my voice. If your heart is open to hearing my voice. Jesus lays down some boundaries and some clear communication because his goal is connection. We've read that before somewhere, haven't we? When connection is not our goal, we avoid communicating and we put up walls. But when our goal is connection, we love communicating and we have doors, we have boundaries. Jesus doesn't avoid communication and he's not into walls. His goal is connection, so he knocks at the door. Now let's understand that we're one with him. And he doesn't knock from the outside in because we're one with him. But he does knock. He, can, he continually, like the, the, the prodigal son's father, runs and pursues and seeks us all the time. So he, 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 he says, hey guys, here's the boundaries, here's the clear communication. My goal is connection. If you open your heart to hear my voice... I will come in. If you don't want to open your heart and you don't want to hear my voice, I'll stand here knocking. I'm not going to stop knocking. 
But here's how it's going to work in kindness and grace and being for you. These are the requirements. If you can open your heart, and it doesn't have to be a confident, passionate yelling. It could be, I'm broken and I'm hurting and I'm tired and I'm not sure where I'm meant to be, but I can open my heart to hear your voice. I'm hungry and I'm trying to be humble. He's coming in. So the invitation for us is this, that he is knocking. And it's not from a distant God that's disconnected because separation is an illusion for those born again. The revelation of Jesus, the unveiling of Jesus. He's attracted to hunger and humility. He's knocking at the door. And this, Jesus used this Jewish tradition of marriage that the night or the day before the wedding, the groom and the father would come knocking on the bride's house, on the bride's door. And the tradition was that if she was open fully to him, she would open the door and they would acknowledge that she's open to him. And it's Jesus painting a picture clearly in Revelation chapter 3 of his intention with the Father coming to knock on his bride, on us, his church, his beloved, the one he laid down his life. And he said, if you're open, if you can open your heart, if you can open up your heart, soft heart, Paul's praying, I pray the eyes of your heart can be enlightened so that you can know the hope of your call. Your call is meant to bring hope. There's a special hope attached to calls. There's a special hope attached to calls. Paul said that, that you would know, open up your, the eyes of your heart so you'd be enlightened, so that you can know the hope of your calling. Better get back on track. Nah, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> We're already one with him, but he's knocking. You good? I am too. I'm cooked. Okay, let's go to Revelation 2. You ready? And um, this is to the oh come on now. This is to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus means desirable, and it's specifically what the groom calls the bride in the Greek. Wow. That again? No. Ephesus means desirable, and it's specifically what the groom calls and says to the bride. Again, hear what he's saying to the church. Open up. Revelation 2, 2 to 7, seven verses. Here we go. I know all that you've done for me. This is Jesus. I know all that you've done for me. You have worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. This is Jesus speaking to the church at Ephesus. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and proved that they are not, for they were imposters. Verse 3, I also know you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name, yet you have not become discouraged. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me in the beginning. Said different, you know, first love, other translations, this is the passion translations. But, but I have this against you. You've abandoned the passionate love. And don't go too hard into that verse because we're going to open it up because it's kind. It's a beautiful invitation and it's not harsh. Who's felt that verse harsh in the past? 
There's no mean scriptures. But I have this against you. You've abandoned the passionate love you had for me in the beginning. Think about how far you've fallen. Again, not harsh. It's an invitation. Repent. Again, not harsh. And do the works of love you did at first. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. Although to your credit you despise the practice, practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also despise. Verse 7, to the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying now to all the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will give access to the feast of the tree of life that is found in the paradise of God. That just sounds great, doesn't it? I want, I want that. Want that. Just remember there's no harsh or mean or putting down scriptures because it is his kindness that causes us to change the way that we think about God, which is repentance, which then turns, uh, which then turns into changed behaviors. So we don't just change the way that we think and then everything else is just a mess. That's not true repentance. True repentance is coming in close and having an encounter with God and seeing the way that he sees and thinks the way that he thinks and then going, wow, there's a, there's a gap here. There's a gap between the way that I think and you think. So me coming close to think like you think is the act of repentance, to remind ourselves, to change the way that we think. But if our changing the way that we think doesn't turn into actions, we didn't really change the way that we think. Ooh, so the fruit of repentance is actually a changed life and behaviour. Not just saying, nah, change the way that you think. No, no, it's more than that. Yeah. But Jesus is saying, hey, I'm inviting you in. I'm standing at the door and knock. I'm celebrating who you are in Revelation chapter 2. This is who you are, but this, I've, got, I've, got, I've got this against you because this is actually going to hurt you. Yeah. You okay? Yeah, so let's pick apart some of these verses. They're going to be up there, individual verses. We're going to pump through them and then open them up a little bit. Is that okay? I know all that you have done for me. So let's put verse 2 up. I know all that you've done for me. You've worked hard and you've persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You've tested those who claim to be apostles and proved they are not, for they were imposters. I know all that you've done for me. Jesus is saying to the church, and I feel like he's saying this to us. I know, I know all that you've done for me, Echo Church. I know all that you've done for me, church. Echo Community, sponsoring the footy club and the netball club, developing the land out the back for potential community use, the Good Friday fundraising event, the Westall Primary Christmas Present Drive, the counselling, the encouragement, the prayer, the small group, the pastoring, the, the equipping, the, the leading, the... The, the connection, the individual blessings that you guys have done over the last two years of sneaky blessings, sneaky encouragements, intentional acts of kindness. He sees it and he celebrates it. Well done. He's acknowledging it. He celebrates that we don't, we don't tolerate evil and things that are opposite to the kingdom. We don't. We value purity. We have high standards. Because Jesus has high standards. We want to live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. We want to honour him well. Verse 3. 
I also know that you've bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name, yet you have not become discouraged. Can anyone say amen to this? We've been through it. You've been through it. Everyone's going through something. We've had non-stop challenges. Church, individuals, challenges, friends, family, it's, it's non-stop. But I love this. The Aramaic translate, you endured without complaining. I love that. And I honestly feel that, that that's been the large majority of people. It doesn't deny stuff, but there's, there's something special that happens when we respond well. We don't stuff down and deny, but we respond well. We respond well. And then verse 4, let's put it up there. But this I have against you. So he's highlighting and celebrating the church and who they are. But then he says, but this I have against you. And I'm no longer tweaked by this verse because I know who I am. I'm not performing for love. I'm not living for victory. I'm living from victory. I'm living from love. Back to Jesus. Back to Jesus. He's talking about this first love, this important love, this love that's above everything else, the importance of this intimate, personal, safe, loving connection that he offers us. He's saying, I don't want you to forsake that. Verse 5, think about how far you've fallen and do the works that you did at first. I will come to you and remove your lampstand, that sounds heavy and full on, from its place of influence if you do not repent. But he's saying think about, really think about, take stock, have an evaluation, let's check in, let's have a chat. I'm standing at the door and knocking. I want to come in and do life with you. I want to hear from you. I want to talk to you. I want, to, I want you to wait for me, which is the Hebrew word to exchange. I want you to wait for me. Those that wait on the Lord, those that exchange their strength with His. Those that wait on the Lord. So He's acknowledging everything that you are and celebrating everything you are. And He's like, hey, this is what, this is what I've got against you. This has slipped a little bit. And I feel like this, this and I'm, I'm not even announcing this as you've all slipped. But, but I feel this, this strong invitation by the Father to come close and to open our heart and to reassess where we're at with Jesus. This beautiful, kind invitation of who is he to you? And after you answer that question, have you experienced him like that. Can we get the band up? That'd be really awesome. Hearts open. What a massive deal. Hearts open. So he's standing at the door and knocking and he's inviting us in to another level of relationship with him. 
In Revelation 2, he's talking about celebrating things that we're doing, but then reassessing if we're actually prioritizing the thing that is most important to us because everything flows out of that first love. It's the, it means paramount. It's the word protos in, in Greek. It's the, it's the paramount. It's the one that we build everything on. It's that coming back to the first love. He said, do what you did at first. The acts of love, do what you did at first. That, that, that it, the excitement, the enthusiasm, the hunger, the humility. But what he's going to do in this next season is a fresh new work. Times of refreshing being enamoured and in awe of Him all over again. Hunger and humility. Revelation chapter 1. We're going to read this out. It's powerful. Revelation 3, knocking at the door. Revelation 2, acknowledging that there's an invitation to go to another level with Jesus. And then Revelation 1, the unveiling of Jesus and what He is like. Revelation 1, 12 to 20. Write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches. We read a couple of those accounts to the churches. This is John. John had the privilege to to write down what he heard and saw in that moment. And this is what it says in verse 12. When I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands and walking among the lampstands, I saw someone like the son of Man wearing a full length robe with a golden sash over his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, white as glistening snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were gleaming like bright metal, as though they were glowing in fire, and his voice was like the roar of many rushing waters. In his hand, right hand, He held seven stars and out of his mouth was a double-edged sword and his face was shining like the brightness of the blinding sun. When I saw him, I fell down as though dead. Come on. But he laid his right hand on me and I heard this reassuring voice saying, Do not yield to fear. I am the beginning and I am the end the living one, I was dead, but now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys that unlock death and the unseen world. Now I want you to write what you've seen and what is and what comes after these things that I reveal to you. The mystery of the lampstands and the seven stars is this. The seven lampstands are the seven churches and the seven stars in my right hand are the seven messengers, the angels of the churches. If you can hang in with me for two more minutes, I want to open this up a little bit more. Kylie's going to come up and lead us in communion and we may worship it a little bit longer. But when I turned, John, when I turned, John was in the Spirit. This was more than a physical turning but an inward turning to withdraw from the natural to see into the spiritual. To the voice that was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. um, And walking among the lampstands, I saw someone like the Son of Man. The seven lampstands represent the seven churches and the lampstand becomes a symbol of the burning presence of Jesus. 
And this is the ascended Christ walking among the churches like the Old Testament, the, the high priest, the ascended Christ becoming the high priest. What did the high priest do? He tended to the lampstands. He tended to the churches and he would fill the lampstands with fresh oil. And I feel like Jesus is reminding us that He's building His church and He's walking among it and He's filling it with fresh oil. This unveiling of Jesus. John started to catch a glimpse of who he was. Remember that John walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He even put his head on the chest of Jesus, reclined back and they conversed. You know the story. But this was different. This wasn't Jesus as he was when John lent his chest, uh, his head on the chest of Jesus. This is not the Jesus that was. This is the Jesus that is. The, the, the ascended, the, the, the glorified, the, the, the Son of God. This is, he, he's catching a glimpse of the God, the Jesus who is right now and He fell down as though dead. He did not fall down as though dead when He was on earth with Jesus. But seeing the resurrected Christ, He fell down as though dead. So the revelation that He was learning about and seeing about through all the teaching and through all the ministry and through all the hill meetings and the boat meetings and the life lessons led to the unveiling of Jesus on another level that He couldn't have had on earth with the Son of Man, but it was with the Son of God, the Christ, the one that is revealed to Him in that moment. And He fell down as though dead because only so much we can handle of the true Jesus. And this is available, another level, a greater understanding, not just sticking with revelation that flips back on itself and turns back into information, but a revelation that leads us into an encounter like John had, where he started to see things that he hadn't seen before. Jesus' name. You know, the golden sash around his chest. There's a word used there and it's mastos and it's actually breast in Greek and specifically for a female. It's only used for that, but they chose to use it here as he was walking around the church, filling it with fresh oil. It's, it's signifying his passion for the bride, for the church. And he's standing at the door and knocking. And he's, and he's saying, hey, I want you to be honest with where you're at. One, he's standing at the door and knocking. Two, he's saying, I want you to be honest where you're at. Because I have a large, amazing invitation for you. And I'm not being harsh because my kindness is drawing you in. He's knocking. 
He wants you to be honest. Third, so that He can show you who He truly is, to see Him correctly. And then fourth, to have an encounter.